0: Welcome back to the Todd Duncan Podcast. A member of the industry syndicate. This is where success happens. Todd's goal is to transform your business and life through deeper connections, higher trust, and proven strategies to help you win and give you your best life ever. Here's
1: your host, Todd Duncan. Hey, it's Todd Duncan. Welcome to our podcast. This is where success happens, and we try to interview guys and gals that we know that are crushing it in the marketplace and uh, just have a dialogue with them. Today, we get to spend some time with Corey DePass. Corey's a good friend of mine. He's in our elite coaching program. It's been fun to watch him crush it over the uh, the time that I've known him. I remember back early on when you were like uh, opening your eyes to some of these productivity ideas and some of these efficiency ideas. And, uh, and you're, the, the owner of your company was bragging on you saying that of all the branches, you had the most efficient and most profitable branch, and so I figured, man, if we got to interview anybody, we got to interview <laughs> a friend who has a really profitable branch who understands the business. And so, good to have you here.
0: Thanks, buddy. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, it's it's good, to, good to be face to face with people fun, again. isn't it? Right, yeah.
1: right. Uh, Zoom we could, calls
0: were drying up a little bit.
1: <laughs> it's like Zoom gauge, you know. Yeah. You just have been looking at Zoom too long, and uh, it's yeah. funny how many people activate and don't activate their cameras, you know. Yeah. And, and what are they doing when they're they're actually anyway? Long. That's maybe part of our conversation. Sure. So uh, we are in the middle of the year, and uh, and COVID ha- has come. It is here. In some markets, it's you know kind of resurging. When nobody knows what's going to happen. Nobody knows if we get an- another wave. Nobody nobody knows anything okay. except we are all still pretty much in a type of lockdown. But even though we're a little more flexible today, it has been interesting to do business. In the new kind of normal, and so tell everybody just a little bit about kind of you right now, where you're. You're in the Southern California market. Um, talk a little bit about your just observations over the last ninety days. That kind of feel like you want to you want to share those with people.
0: Wow, what a time to be alive, huh? Right, the last <laughs> ninety days has been like ten years packed into ninety days. <sighs> it's uh, it's been wild, you know. This when this whole thing. Um, You know, started and you started hearing rumors, you know, and and videos coming out of China and what was going on. And, you know, I was watching videos back in January and February of, you know, massive trucks spraying down the streets in China, but they're calling it just the flu. And nobody really knew what was coming, right? (laughs) right? And, um, you know, and then there were some rumors circulating, you know, everything's shutting down and we're going to be on lockdown. And again, nobody knew what that looked like. Does that mean we can't get notaries out to houses? Does that mean we can't get appraisers out to houses? So are we going to be essential? Are we going to be non-essential? You know, is, is, is banking getting, you know, nobody knew, right. um, you know, and so, you know, as it started to get closer, I, we actually started working from home a little bit earlier, about a week before, um, the actual lockdowns happened, but, <clears throat> but we had, um, you know our, our businesses were pretty flexible either way we all work off laptops and so it wasn't that big of a transition yeah. just to take your laptops home because a lot of us will work on the weekends anyway and uh, the majority of us have home offices set up but um, yeah I mean in, in you know w- right when the lockdowns happened we had record low interest rates so you had that <laughs> at the same time we had you know 10 years worth of clients that we could have potentially refinanced in two weeks. <laughs> And so, you know, it's like everybody's, you know, are we going to be able to do this? Are we going to be able to work from home? And, you know, and and so sure enough, we just, well, let's just let's just put loans in. Let's just keep putting them in and, and locking them and, and see what happens. And, um, you know, as a result of that, um, you know, thankfully we were able to have some pretty good months there. But, you know, even I was talking to you before the podcast, even during these these large funding months, like double the amount that we're normally doing with the same amount of people, it was like, You know, we were excited, but we were also like, you know, is this going to come to an end? Are we going to wake up in the morning and the mortgage industry is going to be gone because of the margin calls and the liquidity issues? And, you know, there was so much that was, you know, uh, the owners of my company talk about um, landmines, dodging landmines, and the leadership. (laughs) Dodging landmines. Dodging landmines. And every day it was a new landmine, whether (laughs) it was a, you know, a margin call or, um, you know, maybe there were some liquidity issues because of it. And, you know, I, I feel like, everybody did the best they could and you know like i said in, in the end we were having these these record breaking months but it's almost like we weren't really excited about it cuz we didn't know whether it was going to continue or you know whether our industry was going to be there or not but um yeah it was it was wild we had uh you know 3 months back to back that was like double the amount of volume that we normally normally and it came on like that came on like that so you can't <clears throat> hire anybody yeah everybody's making money so you can't go out and hire anybody and if you do you're going to overpay because everybody's having their best months ever and on top of that everybody's working from home so you're not meeting with anybody it's not like i can you know go interview 10 processors or you know get anybody in the office so um you know my team my girls uh tab and nicole did did a phenomenal job and we had no issues and you know um It was, uh, you know, I look back on it and it was, uh, it was a wild time. It was an exciting time and it was a scary time all at once.
1: And all combined. Yeah. And, and we don't know, (laughs) like we don't know what next month is going to be. Is it going to be wild? Is it going to be scary? You know, the purchase business is coming back I think. And, uh, but before we, before we get into that, if you think back to um, just kind of, I guess it came, it came fast, you know, there wasn't a lot of warning and, and, you know, all of a sudden we're trying to adopt all these new rules and, You've got record interest rates, as you talked about. Sure. Everybody wanted to refinance. Um, purchase business was down. Uh, people were getting furloughed two days before closing. I mean, mm-hmm. it's been, it's like I always talk about the, the hard road is a hard road because it's hard. I mean, hard markets are hard because rates are high and, and capacity is is there, but you don't have volume and, and easy markets are hard because like right now, it's an easy market Because rates are low, but it's a hard market because rates are low, right? And we have this capacity issue and all those challenges. You made mention that before we jumped on that your two gals funded 50 deals each month with just the two of them. And that's twice what they've ever done. And you pointed to the idea that somewhere in here is this gift of efficiency. So talk about, you kind of painted a picture of, you know, where your office is and and drive time and this, but talk about this new Mm -hmm. level of, potential efficiency that you sure. guys have discovered?
0: Yeah, I, I would say, and it's probably not the same for every team and every person, but I can speak for myself and my team specifically that I would say that we are more efficient working from home. Um, wow. You know, and we did, we had one month, it wasn't <laughs> two months at uh, 50 units back to back. It was one month at 50 units. I think it was March. It was like the first month that this really started to uh, kick off. And, um, you know, I feel like, because everybody's working from home and they're in their place of work, meaning, you know, we talked about the, the the travel time and the commute before and getting ready to go to work. And you know, what, what my personal opinion of why we're more efficient working from home is, is that instead of waking up early, getting dressed, getting ready, commuting to work, I got one gal, uh, Nicole, who she commutes all the way from Carlsbad every day, wow. every day to Aliso Viejo. Um, you know, and then in Tabitha, she's got probably a fifteen minute drive to the office. So, you know, you, that all adds up. And maybe you stop and get coffee along the way, and then you get into the office, and maybe you chit chat a little bit, and then you, you know, there's 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 a couple hours in, from the time you wake up till the time you're actually working. Well, when you're working from home, you go straight from upstairs straight to the office, and you're working right away. And then the same thing goes for on for when you're leaving. Yeah. Yeah. Right, you're not rushing out the door at five o'clock to go home and have dinner. You're working in your office until dinner's ready, you know, and then you and just go downstairs. straight from your office. <laughs> so I think what ended up happening is although people are maybe spending more time with their family and they're going on walks and getting outside to, to break some of the monotony, they're probably working longer hours and they're working more efficient hours because they don't have any distractions.
1: Yeah, it's a there's an interesting play on it that... Um... Short of, short of a new level of kind of time blocking. Cause I think the unprecedented part was if you had young kids at home and you have two young kids that yep. are under, under the age of four, that, that depending on their age, there can be some of these interruptions. So we still have to kind of order, you know, just efficiency, but the fact that we can save two to three hours a day, not getting ready, not driving and, and not being in traffic, which can stress a lot of people out, especially sure. if you're going back to Carlsbad, that's a 45 minute, sure. you know, easy. And, um. And yet I don't know that this is the way we're always going to do it, but you think about commercial real estate, you think about uh, people that own buildings, you think about tenant relief, you think about, you know, some of the, like the Irvine company, which owns like 90% of where you yeah. and I work. Yeah. Um, I mean, they gave abatement to everybody for 90 days. I mean, how do you do that? How do you say to your, t- and how do you remain, you know, like if everybody's working from home and- it's going better than expected, and I really don't know if I want to keep a two-year or three-year or four-year lease, and the whole thing might change, and And yet at the same time, do we go back to normalcy? What is normal? I don't sure. know.
0: Do you? I don't, but what I can tell you, I speak for myself, is is that I feel like I don't know if I'm going to go back to working eight hours a day, five days a week, in a glass box, <laughs> Like I don't think we're meant to do that. Like I don't, as human beings, I don't think we're meant to be in these little cages all day for eight hours a day, five days a week. And then for me, also when I, you know, I was jo- I I joke about it, but I don't joke about it with some of my friends. You know, during this lockdown, I I told them I said you got and you guys are a lot of you guys are stressed out right now and working from home and, and dealing with that. But I got I have to tell you, for me, a lot of us are going to look back on this time and we're going to miss this time. And I know that it's crazy and it's hectic right now, but being forced to slow down and spend time with your family and focus on what's important in life, maybe is what we all needed. Maybe it's it's not the worst thing in the world. And our efficiency's through the roof, so it's not affecting our business. But you know, when I look at it, it's like I know that whether it's two months, six months, or a year from now. When I look back on this time, and I'm back in the rat race, and I'm rushing out the door at 7 a.m., and I'm getting into the office, and I'm you know, tied up all day long with clients, and then I'm rushing out at 5 o'clock just to get home to spend one hour with my kids before they go down, and then they go to sleep, and then I'm, I'm, I go to bed, I wake up, and I do it all over again. And it's like, I don't know- If I want to do that. If, if I want to do that. Yeah. If I'm meant to do that, if we as human beings are meant to do that, You know, I feel like- the one silver lining that has come out of all this is like I'm, I've done stuff with my kids that I would never do in a million years. We're, we're buying games, we were buying games you know. on the plane, going on a walk What's in the that? middle of the day. I took my kid fishing for the first time. You know, in we have a house in Palm Springs. We spent a lot of time out there on the weekends and that's not stuff that I would normally do during purchase season. You know, during purchase season, dad's checked out, dad's on his phone 24 seven, dad's, you know, rushing out the door and rushing back in the door just to get up and do it all over again. And, you know, the one thing that this, this whole process, if you want to call it that has taught me is, is that maybe we're doing it wrong. You know, maybe- That's a profound question. Maybe, maybe this is not how we're supposed to live our lives, stressed out. Like I said, living in a glass box for eight hours a day, five days a week because for me, at least in our in my team, we can all do this from home, and take breaks when we want, and go out, you know, and take walks and get outside and exercise and feel like we're free, um, and still produce yeah. and still perform.
1: We had uh, we just had an amazing um, broadcast to Canada. It was like our first real virtual kind of kind mm-hmm. of test, and we had we had uh, close to three thousand people online. And I never thought in a million years that the event business would be what it is right now, whether it's temporary or not. I've got to believe it's temporary because I still have a hope that people like live engagement and connection, but it is forced innovation and change that is unprecedented. You could have never, I would have to have flown to 10 cities with 300 people per session to connect with the amount of people I connected with today without leaving this studio in my office. And I look at that and there is a new way that we're going to do things. And, and, you know, the question is, I I think human beings are designed for connection. And I think the connection that gets robbed the most in the pre-COVID environment, is the busyness, the busyness, the craziness, and just the full pedal to the metal kind of not being present. experience? Not being present, just doing, 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 right. And and so I share with these guys today that one of the uh, you know one of the elements of research that comes out of a book called Peak Performance is this idea that um, the most productive people, the top ten percent of of performers, they they have these intentional breaks, seventeen minute breaks every fifty two minutes, mm. and they work for fifty two and they take seventeen off. And then I think about the idea of how many people are actually working five days a week but producing two days of production. So they're busy but they're not good at the busy. And you think about this and you think about the emotion that you just shared with – a you have a four-year-old and a two-year-old and you went fishing for the first time. And the question is how are we meant to live? And I think the sad thing is, is every time we see something that kind of recenters – our values, right. or forces us to rethink our priorities. The question is, how come that change doesn't last? And I don't know the answer mm-hmm. because we seem to we seem to always go back to where we were. Of course. Something feels different about this moment in time that
0: you know that it could be a, a new way of doing life, and it's interesting. I think that normally when the change doesn't last is because you are only doing that change or that one thing for a short amount of time. And what this has done is this has forced us into accepting a new way of life for 30, 60, 90 days. I mean, what is the amount of time it takes to adopt a new habit? Well, it's today, it's it's
1: um, all the way up to 264 days. Okay. Uh, the, the hardest habits take almost two-thirds of a year sure. to change, Sure. and some can be the, uh, the 21-day rule or the 30-day rule, but right. the big habits and I think you're right. I think why the big habits don't stay habits is because we haven't given them enough time. Yeah. And if this workforce is all back in one office again by October, you know, does any of this change? And But you're an entrepreneur. You, I mean, you own a branch and you work for a great national company, Benchmark, and you're in Elite and you, you're you supposed to have this figured out and it's impacting you. I am supposed to have this figured out. You got a success plan. You know, you got a business plan and all of a sudden, what is happening? And so you celebrate it and 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 then you look at the victories and then you go, okay, I'm not sure what part I want to do like I used to do. I, I might be at a whole new level where I don't go backwards sure. and if my if my goal as a is a speaker's impact, would I rather impact three thousand people and not leave my home or would I rather be in ten cities over two months two weeks of the year and try to impact right. the same number of people? It's interesting it's
0: interesting and you know <laughs> for there's also another side to me that that really loves and enjoys going into the office yeah. and seeing my team and interacting with Andrew. I mean, yeah. you know, me and Andrew go at it all day long, just back and forth, back and forth. You know, taunting each other and and uh, and it's fun and it's competitive and it's exciting. Um, and so there's that piece of it that I that I really love and it would not would not want to leave. But does that mean that I am you know going there five days a week for yeah. eight hours a day, or does that mean you know, maybe Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm in there. Maybe a couple days a week, and then I'm, you know, the rest of the time I'm working how I'm operating now. And um, you know, it's in, maybe a hybrid of the two. And and I want the rest uh, for my entire office. Um, I, you know, I want that for them too. You know, I want them to be able to make that decision. Um, you know, whether you want to work from home and and kind of like we we talked about, do you want to come in a couple days a week. Do you want to work from home? Do you want to um, you know, spend more time with your family, Yeah. you know, cause at the end of the day, it's like, if we're just going to work, 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 and we wake up and we're dead, what's the point? <laughs> right. Right. There is like, no point. There's no point. <laughs> there's zero point. You got a few more zeros in the yeah, bank account when it's deal. all said and done. Big deal. Yeah. And you know, I think I've, I've always felt like I've had a pretty good perspective on things, you know, some of my history and my past and, you know, I've been in a lot worse situations for longer periods of time um, than, having to stay home for a couple of months. So right. for me, it wasn't that big of a deal. I kind of felt like, okay, it is what it is. Let's accept it and just, you know, um, adapt. Um, but for a lot of people, I feel like this experience has forced perspective, right? You know, like I said, force people to, um, focus on what's important in life and, and, you know, cook more dinners with your family and wow, yeah. take a road trip or, you know, play board games and, my wife the other day, she was telling me, she's like, uh, yesterday, she's like, I, I just feel like we're all so close now. And I said, yeah, we are, you know, my son and I are the closest we've ever been. And the baby, well, he's not a baby. He's one and a half, but, um, my wife and I, and, you know, I leave the office, I leave the house for a couple hours to go into the office to interview somebody. And I felt like I was like doing something I shouldn't be yeah. doing, you know, cause I was leaving the house that yeah. I've been at for so long. But, um, it's just interesting. I do, I, I do feel like it's, it's, it's forcing a perspective on the world for everybody, and, and making them reevaluate the way they live their lives and why they live their lives.
1: Yeah, you know what I mean. Big big question around why, and big question question around how. And I think I think you know, for me, it's kind of proven that whoever came up with the forty hour work week, you know, or whatever, yeah, um, the the whole thing is being re re reimagined. Sure. I guess is the right word, and and yet. Um, in the mortgage business, so we we've been blessed with great rates. You know, the lower lower than I think any time in history, right? Never, yeah. And uh, and and yesterday I was talking with uh, Dave Stevens, uh, retired president and CEO of the NBA, and it looks like it's going to stay that way. But yet we're watching the refinances kind of um, not dwindle down, but I mean, let's face it, there's only so many we can do in in a period of time, and the Slow purchase, down a little bit. yeah, and the purchase <clears throat> market really got. Pushed back. I mean, it didn't really, we didn't really have a spring purchase market, right? No. It was 100% refund. We had like
0: maybe two purchases in that 90 day. We're doing (laughs) 50 million a month every single month. And then we had maybe a handful of purchases within that time. Yeah. And yet, it's changing right now. And you're you're talking about the velocity of
1: what you see happening yeah. in the market with purchases. And I think one of the messages I'd like to send to the mortgage and real estate industry on this podcast is: what are what do smart operators like you, what do guys that, that that own branches and 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 are responsible for creating P and what are we doing about the purchase business right now? Because we know the real estate agents have been either left behind, wondering what the future looks like and then you layer technology on that and i buyers come and go and and i don't think anybody's been selling as much real estate in the first quarter that they had hoped to or thought they mm-hmm. would and then you have covid that hits it changes everything so what's what are you seeing what's your company seeing what are you doing personally to to really take advantage of the the reality that purchases are the mainstay even though refis feel like the best gift ever. What do you, what are you seeing in the purchase market? What are you guys doing personally to gear that piece of the business up again?
0: Yeah. So I would say that over the last, you know, like I said, since the lockdown up until about two weeks ago, the purchase market was crickets. You know, nobody wanted to have people, everybody was so scared, right? Nobody wanted to have open, well, you couldn't have open houses, but they didn't want to have any showings. They didn't want anybody through their house. Um, they didn't want to go meet with a realtor. Um, you know, everybody was was real nervous about about this covid and so there was no activity yeah um you know which is now to look back on it, it's probably a good thing because of all the refinances is trying to get all those done but uh, within the last two weeks i would say demand has gone up a hundred percent um i know i know three weeks ago i listened to a housing report a guy did and, and he said the demand was up 40 percent that week so i would say within the last two weeks it's it's probably been up a 100 percent, and you know, there's no inventory. There's, you know, at the end of 2008, when we were coming out of that cycle, I believe there was, and I might botch the numbers a little bit, a couple thousand maybe, but there was about 14,000 homes listed. Right now, there's 5,000 homes listed for sale. And so you have this block of buyers that did not get to buy this spring that want to take advantage of the low interest rates that are now all coming back into the market at the same time and you have record low inventory. So it is it is a seller's market like you've never seen because it's simple supply and demand. You have way too many buyers, not enough sellers, and it's all kind of coming in at the same time. It's all happening right now. And so there's not a ton of stuff going into escrow. We don't have like, you know, five new escrows a day and, and a lot of purchases going to escrow. But I can always tell what the next 30, 60, 90 days is going to look like by what the activ- what my phone's doing, yeah. right? It, do, I, am I doing, do I have PPCs lined up? Do I have you know, people calling for quotes? People calling for payment options? Uh, people wanting pre-approval letters? People wanting full underwriting approvals? Or, you know, that activity tells me what the next 30, 60, 90 days is going to look like. And that activity right now is at an all-time high. And so, I, you know, a lot of, I don't think that those buyers went anywhere. I think that they, they were just waiting until they had a little bit of good news in the yeah, market, you yeah. know, in, in the media, excuse me. And now that they've had a little bit of good news, it's like, okay, everything's back to normal. Now we're all going to go buy at the same time. So, um, so we're, we're going to see multiple offers again. We're oh, going to see, hun- absolutely. We're gonna see- yeah. We're going to see, you know, 10 offers on every property. You're, you're already seeing uh, houses on the market that are selling over the weekend. They list and they're gone by Monday. Like that, like that. Especially if you're priced right now. Of course, if you're in the one five two million dollar range, it's that's not the same. I'm talking right. about, you know, five hundred thousand to a million dollar purchase price. But turning fast, it's gonna be yeah, it's gonna be crazy. And um, you know, we're ready for that because you know part of our big strength is is setting these offers up to look like cash offers, so we can really excel in a market like this because there's multiple offers. And you gotta remember when when the market gets like this, the big banks go to 45, 60, 90, days. 90 day turn times, right? And, you know, it doesn't matter what your rate is. If you can't close for 90 days, that's a problem on a 30 day escrow. And so, who do they call? They call the person that, you know, always says they always do what they say they're going to do and they always get the loan done on time. Yeah. So, I'm looking forward to the summer. I know it's going to be hectic. I know it's going to be busy, but, um, I think it'll be fun. Let's let's digress to sales mastery a, a couple of years
1: ago, and and you talking about, um, and I think you and Andrew even showed that video on on how you really get buyers to um, understand the power of a real you know real pre approval. You have a really great way that you treat that. And I think everybody needs to rethink the power of the buyer and rethink actually what wins in the marketplace. Sure. And so just give us a, an update on you know, what you guys are doing to with the purchase market coming back. What sets you guys apart? And how do agents and buyers end up trusting you because you have this attack plan sure.
0: on really being approved? Sure. I mean, was it yeah. really? So we believe there's, there's two ways to get your offer in escrow, right, or to the front of the line in the multiple offer situation like we're going to see. You're either the highest priced or you have the best terms. Our job is to give our clients the best terms so they don't have to be the highest priced. And so what do we do? We try to make it look like a cash offer. And so we fully underwrite every file up front. So we take a pre-approval, which is normally a pre-approval. We submit that for a full underwriting approval. Now we have that full approval in hand, which normally doesn't happen until 17 or 21 days into the escrow, right? So we have that up front. That allows us to do a lot. That allows us A, to guarantee the client's earnest money deposit. So we tell them if we tell you you're good to go, and for whatever reason we blow up in escrow, which by the way, 50% of the transactions that fall out of escrow fall out due to lending issues, people that weren't pre approved properly up front. Mm. And so we get that full approval up front. We can have them release their loan contingencies going into the offer. So we let the seller and the, and the listing agent know this loan's done, we don't have a loan contingency. That right there sets you apart from any other offer that's on the table that's financed. 100%. 100%. I mean, if we're competing against a cash offer, a real cash offer with a 10-day close, that might be difficult. But if you're just competing against other financed offers, you have an offer, you have a a full loan approval with a 10-day close, no loan contingency, and I'm guaranteeing the buyer the EMD. So I'm saying, hey, if we don't do this, I'll fully reimburse you your full 3%, whatever the deposit is. Um, and then we also guarantee the seller $500 a day for every day that we're late. So if for whatever reason we don't close on that 10th day, 15th day, 21st day, we will pay the seller $500 a day for every day that we are late. And they know this when they see the offer. And, we, yep, we put it in the offer. It's coming from me personally. Yep. Um, you know, but if you're, if you're a seller and you have five offers on the table – and you got, you know, two offers from a big bank that's at 60-day turn times with no guarantees and a 45-day close and you have my buyer who's 10-15 20,000 less but he's got a 10-day close or 15-day close, a guarantee to close of $500 a day, right? And no loan contingency? My buyer's going to win 9 yeah. times out of 10. Yeah. And so, you know, we created that video and dumbed it down, made it real simple for everybody to understand because not everybody's in the mortgage business. Right. Not everybody's a real estate agent. Right. So we wanted everybody to be able to understand that. But um, you know, we call it the home buyer advantage. And that program really sticks out in markets like this. Very low inventory, a lot of offers on mm-hmm. every home. Banks aren't performing. Um, so yeah, we, you know, and it's more work up front, don't get me wrong, because you have to underwrite a ton of files. And those aren't always going to go into escrow. So you have to be willing to invest some time up front for a return later on knowing that hey we're going to send every single loan to our underwriter they may not go into escrow ever but we feel like in return the brand and the business that we're building and um is 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 going to outweigh that tenfold and and it does for sure. Yeah.
1: So when you when you think about that and and um and you think about w- you know, just the decision to disrupt. I mean, it's a disruptive move and it's a smart move. And then you think about people that, that have gone through that and may not, you know, still may not get that home. You still have an asset that's a different kind of asset now because you've done, you've done the deep work, you've done the upfront work. And I think people need to understand that, um, that speed and quality are two very interesting dynamics to look at. And, in my mind, quality facilitates speed, but in the industry's mind, speed slows down quantity because it's the quality of the speed, pointing out the big banks and so on and so forth. Sure. So so I've always <clears throat> I've always known as a as a loan officer, I can go all the way back to my first days and I've always known that quality first, quantity second. If you do the right job up front, this is more than just spending an extra five or ten or fifteen minutes. Right. I mean, this is a full underwrite. It's a reversal of the the typical, you know, experience. And and a lot of lenders are trying to do this. Some have perfected it. But it is the epitome of how do you get deals through? You get deals through by doing the ultimate quality move up front. And what do you do with everybody that you've done that with that maybe doesn't have a contract yet? And 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 what Percentage of those? Do they have this like massive trust with you now because you've done something that no other lender's done? I'm sure those guys come back, and I'm sure that you have a kind of a, a, a funnel that you run and you manage because because people have to ask if I'm going to spend all that time up front, you know, am I going to get the right ROI in the back? And your purpose is twofold, right? Your purpose is to win the offer and get the deal, but your other purpose is to keep get a client that trusts you in a way that usually the lender doesn't create that kind of reason to trust them. They don't spend enough time. Sure. So what's your take both as a an LO on quality and and why did the owner of your company say that you have the most efficient metrics, you know, in your branch? What what's
0: leading to that?
1: What what is everybody listening to this podcast need to be thinking about in terms of efficiency?
0: Sure. Um well, a couple of things. It's not only the trust with the with the client, it's also the trust with the agents. Yeah, And and so I'm 100% referral based. And so all I have is my word and our brand. And if, if we're not buying leads, we're not advertising on television and we're not dropping mail. And next month is 100% dependent on how good of a job I do this month. And so when we're asking people to trust us with their clients, we're asking realtors and partners to trust us with their clients if you don't do a good job, you don't do what you say you're gonna do or, or that transaction blows up, you're out of business. You're not gonna get another opportunity from that realtor. Yeah. And so for us, it's really, it's twofold the investment I'm making up front. It's it's investment in the client to make sure that they get the house that they want for the absolute lowest price possible, uh, you know, below other offers that are, we have some, sometimes we beat out, you know, twenty, thirty, forty thousand $40,000 higher offers with the way that we set up our clients wow. just by doing those things up front yep so that way you win the client you win the agent they love it you're closing quick okay. you're guaranteeing it and they get their buyer into escrow right yep. and then a lot of times you end up winning the listing agent right the listing agent's going holy cow why wouldn't how, you know how are you guys doing this or why are you doing this explain this to me and how do you not have loan contingencies i've never seen an offer without loan contingencies and so we're able to create a lot of relationships that way as well, and and that's why I invest all the time up front right. on doing a good job and doing what we say we're going to do. Because by the time we get into escrow, the loan's done. All we need is an appraisal. Right. Loan's already approved. Yep. Client's already been through you know the the PPC and you know we've we've collected most of the conditions, and so all we need is an approval, um, uh, an appraisal. Excuse me, and we're done. But you know, as far as the efficiency goes, I think for us. I think a lot of originators in my position think or believe, for whatever reason, that they need a ton of more people to do more loans. And so, or they just like having a big team. Maybe it looks good. I don't know. And so what, what happens is, is that you end up just hiring and hiring and hiring, thinking that that's going to fix your problem. When reality is, is you could probably get the same amount of volume done with two of the right people, as opposed to 10 of the wrong people yeah and so it all goes back to hiring the right people um you know i I, again i have two really really solid i believe tabitha is probably the best pa in orange county maybe in the business and i don't know how she does it but she's doing it from home right now with a baby at home and you know her and her husband are taking turns watching the baby but you know her and nicole together they they're just they're solid employees and and i i hired them from wells fargo um you know, and anybody come, coming from Wells Fargo had to do twice as much work there as they would at a at a correspondent lender, right? Right. There's so much more that goes into doing a loan at a big bank than there is, you know, at a correspondent lender. So, um, I think it's it, it's just about finding and hiring the right people, and it's a lot easier said than done. People have asked me, you know, what's what's the hardest part of your job, and I would say hiring good people. I know
1: we talked about that in your office uh, a couple months ago. Well, I actually, did. longer before COVID happened. And, um, people, people are the power, you know, the, the people, the right people on your team can make all the difference. They can make you or break you. And, and, um, I think, I I think most people need a masterclass on hiring. Sure. It's, it's not easy. It's, it's not easy to find the right people. It's not easy to keep the right people. And it's not
0: easy to, uh, to say no to the wrong people. So it's difficult because, Everybody interviews well, right? Right. Especially on the first one, (laughs) especially on the first one. And you know, I, we interview people and I joke, um, with a friend of mine I work with and we had an interview that came in there. This is about a year ago and she left and I said, she's either the best processor in the world or the best salesman in the world, but we're not going to know until we hire her. (laughs) Let's get her in here. So, you know, we brought her in. She ended up being the best salesman in the world. So that didn't work. But I think for us, and we, we've gone through a lot. I've tried to add support here and there. Um, you know, it doesn't work out quick hire, quick fire. You yeah. can't get stuck on that on that one person. And you know, I I would say if I had to guess, probably over the last five years, it's, it's it's probably been four or five people that we've tried to integrate into the team and just didn't work out. But we were able to move on just as quickly as as we hired them, and and um, you know, we're still able to operate. But um, that for me is probably the hardest part of this business yeah. is, is just finding good people that actually care about the clients, right? right? Usually the, 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 the employees that care about the clients are the employees that got straight A's in high school. They sat in the front row. They answered every question. They raised their hand every time the teacher asked a question, right? And so that's how I tried to hire, you know, and the, the, the two gals that work on my loans directly, not in my branch, those are the type of girls that they are. They care about the client. Yeah, you know they. It if there's if there's a problem on the file, it keeps them up at night. You know they're not just there to get a paycheck. So you got to find the it. yeah they exactly yeah. exactly. And sometimes I have to calm. I'm like, listen, I'm gonna figure it out. Calm down. Oh, who are we gonna do? And It's like just, but that's who you want, right? You want people that care, because people that don't care are not gonna do a good job
1: period. No, no, matter, and no matter how good a
0: job you do as, no. the, as the LO. You no. Know, matter how, how much you train them. Like, right. You can't teach that. You cannot teach somebody to care about a loan or a file or, or a, a client. Person. client right yeah. You cannot teach them to care about it. It's something that you're born with. So you have to find the people that care. And if you can find the people that care, you can teach and train the rest. All right. I'd rather have somebody that cares, that's brand new, knows nothing, Versus somebody that's been in the business for 20, re- 20 years who so I've hired someone like that yeah, yeah. and doesn't care. Yeah, it's interesting because
1: um, you know the 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 word culture is so important and culture. You know, there's a uh, there's a saying that culture trumps strategy. Sure, and I think it does. And I think it, the right people make strategy easy, and the wrong people mess it up. Right. right. So mm-hmm. when you think about um, lessons learned in in engaging people, whether it's real estate agents or you know, or, or teammates or whatnot, besides the higher fire, you know, the fire fast, Mm -hmm. you know, higher slow kind of deal. What are some of the marketplace lessons you've learned with like agents and value and, and creating? Cause I think I, I hear you talk about the uh, the the guarantee to the seller. And I think about how many LOs in America don't even have a unique value proposition for a listing agent. And and you lay that out. It's like, Really? Because you take the risk out what are some of the biggest lessons you've learned in working with Realtors the top two list. or three that have come to mind on what what what's made those relationships work well
0: uh, it's much harder to keep them than to get them <laughs> you, Interesting. Know? Yeah. Uh, you know it's you know and we don't have a high we don't have a lot of turnover but um, you know there there is a lot of that in the in the business you know mm-hmm. you have a lot of uh, loan officers that will um, lead with marketing dollars and um, promise the world, and you know I can do X, Y, and Z, and um, you know they'll they'll get a partner to work with them, and then you know 30 days later they get a transaction that blows up, and the client's upset, and they're you know they they'll blame the realtor, you know, because we're we're an extension of whoever's referring us, right. whether it's a CPA, whether it's a uh, just a referral from a client whether it's a, um, an agent, we're an extension of that person. We're part of their team if they're referring us, right? So whatever we do is gonna reflect on them. Right. Um, and so you know it's, it's, it's hard to stay consistent and you have to figure out a way to stay consistent because you blow it once and they're gone. You can't m- really make mistakes. And I think the re- part of the reason why we've been successful is we don't really make mistakes. A lot, you know, and, and part of that again, is doing the work up front. And right. You can't really make a mistake in an escrow if the loan's already approved going into escrow right, right? right? Yeah. you're going to make the mistake before the deposit's on the line. So you know I, I would I would say one of the lessons that I've learned is you just you have to stay, and this sounds so cliche, there's no, there's no easy way, right? You just have to stay consistent. With everything you do, cons- to consistency with the way that you treat your clients, consistency with the way that you perform on every single transaction, consistency. Pick up your phone. All right. It's amazing how many people you know are just don't pick up their phone at all. Loan officers, right? right? Um, you know, I actually um, recently <laughs> through the mastermind, um, I hired a, a another assistant, and my whole thing was is that because i'm pretty busy during the day Mm -hmm. you know talking to clients pre-purchase consultations um you know just dealing with being a branch manager and an originator you know because i'm i'm a branch manager as well as an originator so i have my own loans and then i have other people's loans to worry about so you know there's a there's a lot of times where you know um like my assistant you know Maybe I'm, I'm on the phone, or I'm talking to a client, or I'm in the middle of a PPC, and somebody's calling me because they need a pre-approval letter right now. Instead of sending them to voicemail and having them leave a message and waiting for me to get back, right. I hired an assistant to answer the phone. So I have her, she's actually, um, it's real easy, actually. It's on Verizon, you just call forwarding. Yeah. And uh, you know, for whatever reason I can't pick up, it goes to her. So that client gets a live body, or that realtor gets a live yeah. body immediately. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to a realtor who's now working with us that said, "Oh, this this loan officer never picked up his phone. I had to call a one eight hundred number to get a hold of him, or leave a message every time." And they don't call back. And they never call back. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. They're not getting a live body. All and right. so, simple things like that, and consistency with that, and, you know, they all they all seem like very trivial, minor things to do. But I mean, you do these little things, and they add up. And
1: hundred percent, yeah. It's a compound 100%. effect,
0: right? Every, every single day. So I was
1: talking with somebody um, today about the, the whole idea that why aren't people consistent? And they're not consistent because they don't believe in what they're doing. They're not competent in what they're doing. And they don't have a degree of skill in what they're doing. So there is no consistency. Right. Consistency is the mother load. I mean, yeah. if, if you're consistent, you're everything. And so the, the idea of creating consistency is probably the best move that anybody can make. But it's hard to be consistent at a lot of things. It's easier to be consistent at a few of the right things. What motivates you? What drives you to just own consistency? What is what is it? What is it that special thing that just brings it alive for you?
0: What motivates me and drives me to be consistent? Ego? Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe it's ego. Uh, you know, that's probably a little bit of it. Um, you know, I care. Which is personal pride. It's sure, not pride ego, and ego kind it's of, not yeah. ego like I'm egotistical. It's, no.
1: it's pride. It's personal ego pride. Ego like
0: I want to do a good job. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. I, I want to do a good job, and I want to build a good brand. And there's so many people doing a bad job in this industry. Yeah. And I hear horror stories. I mean, we save transactions all the time. All the time. We get calls, you know, 10 days left in the escrow. And go, oh, Corey, can you close in 10 days? We got, you know, the bank did this, and, you know, we're we're gonna lose our deposit, and it happens all the time. Yeah. And so when I say ego or pride, and like I I care about these clients, I want to yeah. do a good job for them. I want to do a good job for the people that refer us. Yep. You know, I don't want to make them look bad. Yeah. That's an awkward conversation to have. Yeah. You know, I don't want to I don't want to do that. So, you know, when I say that what what drives or motivates me is is ego. You know, it's a little bit of that. It's a little bit of I want to be number one. Yeah. I want to beat Andrew. <laughs> you
1: know, I don't want to see his name above mine one month. We all like to feel good about our performance. 100%. It's like when you look in the mirror, you want to connect with your your personhood on what you've been able to achieve. And Absolutely. nothing feels better than succeeding. And uh, sometimes nothing hurts worse than not coming out on top. Absolutely. And uh, So that's the fight of the top producer. But you also do some stuff that's that's really cool as we kind of wrap our way into our 45 minutes together. The, the idea of, of personal pride and drive... It seems to me like you're really trying to make a difference in the lives of people. Am I putting words in your mouth? Absolutely. Yeah.
0: No, you're not. No, I'm <laughs> not putting them in your mouth, yeah.
1: Um, and that's what that's really what you're about. And, and so what would be, from your kind of final advice to anybody listening to this podcast, what would you tell somebody that wants to get to the next level, that, that hears and resonates with what you're saying, um, personal balance, professional balance, you know, crushing it. What would you tell somebody? What's your, what's the Corey's piece of advice to help anybody go to the next level?
0: Yeah. I mean, it kind of ties into what we were talking about. There's, there's (coughs) no get rich quick schemes. I mean, you can't just go work somewhere and do something for 60 or 90 days and then stop because it wasn't working for you. You know, when I came to my, the original company is not around anymore. I mortgage, when I came to I mortgage, um, you know, we got a stack of business cards and uh, coach Alec Hansen, buddy of ours, <laughs> he uh, he said he he's there's a stack of business cards, you know, go find loans somewhere. And you know, I didn't really know what that meant um, in the beginning. And you know, it took me nine months to get a paycheck. I mean, I you know, I was gambling, I was playing poker at night to pay the bills down at Oceans Eleven, and I would you know, I was you know, it was it was it was touch and go for a long time and You know, I didn't get that first actual commission paycheck until nine months into the business. And if I would have quit month two or three, four or five or six, you know, and I didn't stay consistent with what I was doing, I might be doing something else right now. Yeah, that's crazy. And I see a lot of people make that mistake. They come in, they go, oh, I did it for 60 days. didn't work. Didn't work. Didn't work. Okay, well, have you ever done anything? for? You worked out for 60 days and all of a sudden you're in the best shape of your life? Right. Probably not. Right, so you know, there's two different sides of this business. There's what we do, yeah. and then there's the call center side. And a lot of people, you know, they say, "Okay, well, I want to get in the business." And I say, "Okay, well, you know, do you want a job, or do you want a career? Mm-hmm. If you Want a career? You got to put the time in. Yeah. You got to work for a yeah. long time. You got to stay at it for you know 90 days, six months, nine months, however long it takes until you finally get there." Tipping but, point. But people give up too early, and they get frustrated because we live in this world that it's instant gratification. And if you don't get it instantly, you get over it. So, um, you know, everybody that I know that is doing well in this business right now, there's about five guys I can name off the top of my head who you know as well that are all doing well. They all did the same thing. They all put the work in. There was was a very uncomfortable time in the beginning where they were trying to figure out how they were going to eat dinner, you know, and then eventually – it paid off but 95% of people never make it through that that it's gap it's
1: so amazing it's such a it's such a beautiful principle that that people give up i mean edison said people give up when they're, when they fail to realize how close they actually are to the, to the win, you know, and what I told these guys today is, you know, success does not happen in a day. It happens daily. And it's the behaviors every day that that create that. And I think it's sad to see how many people give up too soon and they miss out on what you're obviously experiencing now. So very good piece of advice. Well, I loved having you come by. It was great to hang with you and 45 minutes of just great stuff for mortgage and real estate. I'm proud of you. And uh, you're going to be with us at sales mastery in september yeah yeah i'll be there looking forward to it thanks corey i appreciate it very much good to have you here hey it's todd duncan thank you so much for listening to the podcast i am super excited about sales mastery 2020 the live digital experience this is the first time in the 28 year history of sales mastery that we've actually gone entirely digital responding to the market and we're going to be broadcasting the event live What does this mean for you? Well, first of all, front row access. Yes, front row access to the longest running event and most extensive training event in the industry bar none and 30 days of access to every session after the event has concluded. No airfare, no hotel reservations, no extra expenses, just cutting-edge content from world-class speakers, trainers, and industry experts delivered straight to you in the comfort of your own office or home. Click the link in the show notes and check out the speakers, panels, and agenda. Over 10,000 attendees have already registered. Secure your spot today.